Hey guys, this is your girl Coco from the Kiki and with Coco podcast. Before this episode starts, I just want to say that there is sensitive content in this episode. It is not to offend anyone or hurt anyone's feelings, but to generally be a conversation starter. So I hope this can get the conversation started for you and or help you understand the Black experience. What's up, guys? This is your girl, Coco, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Kiki and with Coco. Um, If you are new to the show, just to give you a little bit of background about it, it is about life with an emphasis on relationships. So I have my friends come on the show, and we basically kiki about whatever the topic is for the day. And, you know, you get to hear my perspective and you get to hear their perspective. Sometimes they are the same, sometimes they aren't. Um, Today's guest, I have with me one of my good friends, KJ. KJ, you want to go ahead and say what's up and introduce yourself? Hey, how's it going? Um, Calvin Johnson, Calvin with a K, which is why it's KJ. How you doing? (laughs) So I just want to, like, I'm excited to have him on the show to talk about today's topic because I think he is very knowledgeable about certain things, and I think he has a really good perspective Um, just from, I feel like, you know, going through things and learning from his mistakes in the past. But before we get into the hot cup of cocoa today, I want to introduce a new segment that I am doing for the show. And basically, it's like a drink with cocoa. I think with every kiki session you have with your friends, like even when the guys are just hanging out, like it's nothing to have like a beer or a mimosa or whatever your drink of choice is. And so each week I'm going to introduce a new um a new drink something that i might have concocted something i may have found somewhere um but all in all it's a drink and we going i'll give you guys the recipe and what i use for it so today's drink of choice like i am a dark drinker i prefer cognac whiskey Things of that nature. Um, I prefer Hennessy or Doucet if I want to take it up a notch. So today's drink is like a Doucet lemonade type concoction. And I actually got this drink from my homegirl, Drea, but I kind of tweaked it a little bit. So she said just Doucet and lemonade, but then I added some pineapple juice and some Sprite. And it is really, really good. So I'll make sure to drop the recipe in the show description and where KJ is right now is kind of early so he is not partaking at the moment so boo you don't know that you don't know that you don't know that what you what you drinking over there you know I got this uh mix right now of uh two parts hydrogen one part oxygen all right H2O. Call that. But he ain't drinking no alcoholic beverage. <laughs> but yeah, right now. But that doesn't mean that doesn't mean I I still don't have a recommendation. So I just picked up the uh, 
the blackberry Syrah. Uh, yesterday I had some of that, but you know, I tend to lean on the brown too. You know, I'm a I'm a diverse drinker. You know what I mean? Like I drink the white and all that. So I've been on that uh that seventeen thirty eight Remy, I believe that's what yeah. it is. You know, mm-hmm. got that 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 crown uh, extra rare on on deck. You know what I mean? I, I gotta mix it up. So but my recommendation. He and I have spent many and plenty of nights drinking the brown because I don't really too much food with the light, but you know brown is my drink yeah. of choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all good. <laughs> Um, but you know, that's just kind of like to, especially for this episode to give it a light tone, but also to be like, I need a drink to talk about. So this week's hot cup of cocoa is in reference to police brutality, black lives matter. Um, things of that nature, especially with the killing of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, um, Ahmaud Arbery. And these are just a couple of names that have um, happened within the past couple weeks. And I don't typically talk about things like this because, you know, I try and be careful about what I say. I don't necessarily um want to offend anyone but speaking from a black person's perspective who has of course a black father who has a black brother you know these and just being a black person in general it's it's i think it's a shame to be afraid to walk out of your own house shit to sit in your house apparently (laughs) this is true this is true um you know i would say don't be afraid, but I know you are. I know we are, but you, you have to trust and believe that you have to have awareness about your surroundings and situation. And, you know, I'm not silent on it um, for a couple of reasons. Um, I'm not trying to antagonize a situation between races. I'm... Um, taking the opportunity to do what I always try to do and break down situations um, systematically to help under help people understand where the disconnect is. So right now, one of my main goals is try to get people to open their eyes to what the misunderstanding is. But yeah, I could be scared. There are situations where I'm scared. Like I thought I was going to get pulled over for, speeding or whatever on my way to work and I wasn't even necessarily speeding at that time but my nature in dealing with the police still has my heart flutter when I see a cop Mm -hmm. so to give some background into KJ and him saying like he doesn't try to antagonize a situation but he is definitely one of those people who does not back down like um, a specific situation that happened between he and I once. I was in a meeting with a predominantly white, you know, group of people. And I felt that as I was giving my, and this happens to me a lot, like I'll give opinions in a group setting and men 
white men specifically, will kind of ignore me and then turn around and say the same shit that I'll say. And so I recall being in a meeting one time and I was messaging him and I was just like, yeah, this man, he keep like disregarding what I'm saying and then turn around and say the same thing. Like this irritates me so much. And he was supposed, KJ was supposed to be at the meeting, but he had something else going on. But when I messaged him and said, this was happening, he was like, oh no, that's not about to happen on my watch. And he came to the meeting you know what I'm saying? And this person that was just like blatantly ignoring me, it was like he listened to KJ when KJ talked. And I'm like, what the f Like, why can't you listen to me when I was talking? And I was mm. irritated. And I, you know, I never want to throw things, especially when it comes to my job. I never want to throw race into the mix. But sometimes when I'm in those rooms and I'm the only person of color, it does feel like that sometimes. Yeah. Um, I remember that was one of the catalysts to what my movement became about specifically in, you know, the military, which I was already in that mind frame, but it was a very, very great thing that you did when you called me or messaged me and said, hey, they over here talking crazy. Can you come over here? Because they ain't listening to me. And you remember I came in and I sat back for a second and I was just listening. But you know, my nonverbals speak like volumes. And I'm like, what in the hell are y'all talking about over here? Like, mm -hmm. all everybody in here is wrong, first of all. And you know, I didn't, I didn't want to, you know, put it on blast that you called me over there, but I wanted to let them know that somebody who knew exactly what they were talking about was here to set the record straight. And so one of the things that I recognize when speaking to people is that everybody speaks with a rhetorical triangle. And the rhetorical triangle, I'm going to break this down really quick. It is a combination of logic and fact, passion, and credibility. Mm -hmm. Okay? Makes sense. So in, in our particular organization, which is the military, specifically the Air Force, rank kind of gives automatic credibility. Mm -hmm. And in our, mm -hmm. in our enlisted rank, you know, once you get to tech, technical sergeant right they they say you should be performing at this particular level mm -hmm. right so it, in your particular um institution or your career field or wherever you work at least at tech sergeant they know well you know your shit technically you're supposed to know right that. you're supposed to be the subject matter expert correct and um you know, by the time you get master, like all this stuff matters. Like people want to make it to these particular ranks so people will respect them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I remember, I remember being a senior airman and I was like, I'm so tired of people calling me airman. <laughs> like I want to make staff so they will stop calling me airman, even mm -hmm. though we are airmen anyway. So back to that, back to that subject and that particular scenario, I stepped in there as a black man. But we weren't necessarily talking about race stuff. We were talking no, about... No, it wasn't race conduct. stuff, but... No, no, no. You're right. I remember. 
the the vibe that I was getting. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Is your opinion don't matter. And I don't I know. know if it's because you a senior master sergeant and I'm a tech sergeant, or is it because you a man and I'm a woman, or is it because you white and I'm black? You know what I'm saying? Those are like all the factors right. that I felt was in that situation. Yes. And then when that ha- when I step in there as a black man, right? Mm. I was I'm a master sergeant, right? I'm a legal professional. Like that's gonna assumably even the playing field, but no, 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 no. See, I wasn't just a regular black master sergeant legal professional. I was somebody who specializes in exactly what they were talking about. Mm-hmm. So when you come in, I come in with my rhetorical triangle. I get credibility by being a master sergeant, but I also get credibility by being a legal professional. And then because my specialty is what we're talking about, that builds a whole other set of credibility. And I have the passion for it and I have the logic and the facts to back everything up that I'm talking about. Cause you remember once I start speaking, I shut the whole meeting down at the end. Like this is all wrong. Yeah. And we're going to stop doing this. And we're about to do something else. And the mm. person who organized was like, yeah, you're right. You're right. I said, I know I'm right. Mm-hmm. Because we're doing it It was like a couple right. meetings. It, it was like a multiple, multiple meeting type thing. And yeah. you had not been coming to the meetings. And then you came that one day. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. I do. I, I do remember that. So, yeah, that was that was one of those times where. You know, I you, you just have to be vocal and you have to do your homework about what you're talking about. It's hard to speak. One of the worst things you can do is is, is talk about something you don't know. Mm-hmm. And which is what we've come to now when we're talking like, about. You know, when you think about just being a black person, um, like being a black woman, I have to work hard. To, to even gain credibility, regardless of what my rank is. I have to work hard to gain that credibility. Like even being in NCOA, which is a training that we have to do as a non-commissioned officer. But I had to do this training and in the, in the class, basically they set it up where they put you in these groups. They separate you from your normal group and put you in groups with other people. And you don't necessarily know these people. And so you're supposed to come up with a problem and, you know, come up with a solution, whatever, whatever. So in this situation, I, and I've noticed, like, and I do this all the time, like, because that wasn't the first time that happened to me, where people just disregard what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? And of course, in these type of environments, the instructor is watching. He's observing, you know? And, you know, the same shit was happening. I would be talking and somebody just basically ignore me and start talking or whatever. And then at the end, we had to, you know, put it all together and do a briefing about it. And so, of course, nobody likes public speaking. And so nobody is volunteering. And because I didn't want to volunteer because it wasn't a subject I wanted to do. Because even I was even like... I wasn't happy with the subject that we chose, but it was just like, okay, 
this is what the group is going with tracking. I could be a team player, but we ended up like, so they, they did something where they wrote like they wanted three people to speak. So they wrote one, two, three on the, on pieces of paper. And then of course, put some blank pieces of paper. And if you drew a number, you had to speak. <sighs> I drew a number. And I was like, why, why me? I don't want to talk about this. And so, um, I get up there and you know, I'm, you know, I speak. And then when I'm done, everybody is like, you rocked it. Like you saved us. Cause that was going to be trash, you know, whatever, whatever. And it's just like, but why did I have to go up there and show y'all up to show that my thought process is valid? Well, you had to do that because they weren't seeing it and you had your opportunity to shine and you shined because yeah, I mean, people have this preconceived notion of, you know, this, this, we'll say this bias, this unconscious bias or conscious bias about their perception of people. And, you know, it is unfortunate, but that's why I'm very careful and calculated with how I walk around, mm-hmm. you know, because I, cause I know I'm a black man and in uniform, you know, I like to look good in uniform. He and I'm not to call people out. Uh, well, it, you, I used to be about that, but then I started falling back on that because people really didn't care and that gets tiring. Like I'm not the police, I'm not the uniform police, but I used to be an instructor. I used to be a military training leader. Like that stuff is ingrained in me, but I walk around a certain type of way because people ain't gonna be playing with me. <laughs> I need them to know from the get go that I'm about this business. And I'm talking about the business of whatever I'm talking about. And you're going to take me serious. You're going to take me serious before you take me as a joke. And then once we establish that, we can do, like you say, kiki after that. You know what I mean? But you're going to take me serious. But that's what, that's what, that's one of the things like I can, you know, employ you to do. I'm not saying that you don't, but, and I know that you do it, but make sure that when you meet people, you're, you're speaking to people that they know you're about that business, you're about that action. And then you could have all that other fun. You know what I mean? Like, let somebody not like you at first. I get it. First impressions, you know, that they, they're lasting impressions. But let that first impression be like, man, this person's about that business. You know, because I'm not, I'm not scared to public speak. I don't always want to do it, but I'll do it. But I've been trained to do it. Same. I'm, I'm not afraid to speak in public. You know, I'll do what I got to do. And I want to. when I'm, like I said, depending on the subject, you know, if you yeah. ask me to come come talk to you about my job, I can talk to you all day and be very uh-huh. professional about it. You know, right. um, in a training environment, you don't have a choice but to be professional. But I can definitely change it up and adapt. Right, you know? for sure. And you have to be. That's one of the that's one of the beautiful things about us as black people, is because we've been put in these situations. Think about where you came from. Think about all the stuff that you've been through as a black woman and had to adjust on the fly. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a beautiful skill to be able to go to any place, any environment and be able to adapt and take care of your business, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's why you were able to do that because you were actually trained in life to be able to take on different situations. Mm Mm-hmm. 
But, you know, I know we got a little off topic, but kind of wanted to um, just give like a slight idea of, you know, how I operate throughout my day and KJ as well. Um, And so to speak about the current events that, you know, have been happening the past couple of weeks, and it's not just the past couple of weeks, this has been going on for the past 400 years, and it's just become a systematic, a systematic process that even, even when people don't think they're racist, they have these, like KJ mentioned previously, these unknown biases, you know? And in the case of George Floyd, I don't know what that police officer's biases were. I don't know what his interaction with him prior to the altercation happening. But from what I understand, it stemmed, the initial interaction came from a counterfeit $20 bill. If, yeah. if that is the case, it's it's a petty crime. And from what I saw from... And I, I just watched the video because I I don't like watching that type of stuff. Like, it's sad. But I did watch the video because I wanted to be able to speak to it today. And it didn't seem like he was being... Re- he, it didn't seem like he was resisting prior to all of this going down. You know? So what do you think? Did you watch the video? I watched the video and I watched it as soon as I saw it and it it hit me so hard. And I went live on Facebook about, you know, that situation because it was just ridiculous. Some of the comments that were being said afterwards, like, why didn't anybody jump in and do anything to stop them? And it was unnecessary because, listen, Going back to why he was arrested, okay, so I, there's three things I've heard. I've heard counterfeit like forged check, counterfeit twenty dollar bill, and a counterfeit ten dollar bill. This is the three things I heard. Mm-hmm. All of those are non-violent crimes. Exactly. And that, there and was a I'm video. It's a petty crime. Correct. You're right. It's a petty crime. And so, what did I you mean, know that the twenty dollar bill was counterfeit? You know. Correct. Correct. That, that yes, and the thing about it is that particular crime is actually investigated the Secret Service. If we're talking about counterfeit money, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. So yeah, because that's that the wasn't, Treasury. I'm not gonna cry, but what's that? I say because that deals with the U.S. Treasury. I saw that video, but I also saw before that whole interaction that they had him arrested. I mean, detained. And sitting on a wall. Yeah, yeah. Right? He wasn't, there weren't any flailing around. And the next thing you know, you're watching this video with this guy, three cops, you see one standing by, like keeping people off of him. And he's sitting there with his knee on his neck for a long time. They said it was nine were, minutes. Right. It was a long, that was a long time. Like, mm-hmm. and this guy started crying out for his mother. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something. As a man, black man, grown calling for your mother, it's over. Mm-hmm. 
that's the tap out. That's the ultimate tap out, you know? So what are your thoughts? Like, did you hear him call out for his mother? I did. And I heard him, you know, how loud he couldn't breathe. His stomach, you know, his stomach was hurting. Um, and it's unfortunate. I, I just don't understand how somebody, like you're in a position to protect and serve, but in this instance, you didn't protect nor serve nobody but yourself. And the protect part is not even a part of that equation because he did not have a weapon. He was not being um, irate or out of control. So what was the reason for this act of violence? You know, for this level of violence, like it wasn't caused for. And it, like, it's hurtful because it's just like, that could be any of us. Yeah. That, it, that could be any of us. But if I, if I may kind of elaborate on the whole thought process, mm-hmm. may I? Yes, you may. Um, so I want you to think about something, you know, because when we, when we yell all lives matter, what does that mean? When I say we, I'm talking about we as a people, but when we specifically say black lives matter, we're talking about a specific group of people that are being killed off. Right. Mm-hmm. But when people say, no, but all lives matter, like, but we talking about black people right now. Mm-hmm. So stop trying to dilute what we're what what is being said right right but i want you to think about the same people who say all lives matter okay because these are the same people that hunt animals for fun Mm -hmm. they hunt animals for fun when he was sitting down there with his knee on george floyd it reminded me of how they sit down on a knee and they like kneel on deer after they kill them like they might eat that meat, but they're doing it for sport. Like they can go another mm-hmm. way of getting meat, but you know what I mean? Sometimes they go out there and they do it just for sport. You got some of the rich people who have the money to go to Africa and poach uh, animals like lions and things of that nature to come back and mount on their walls. Mm-hmm. So when they see, when, when they see black people, they don't see black people as human. They see them as animals. Mm-hmm. So they'll be better off saying all humans matter, but that still don't even that still ain't even accurate. That still don't encompass black people. That's what I'm saying though. And if you go back to the Constitution, when the Constitution was originally made, black people weren't even considered as it's men; property. they were considered property, mm-hmm. and women didn't even have the rights either. So what I'm saying is, there's been a systematic racism built into this country, and racism wasn't really a thing until it was about money. Mm-hmm. Money, the the greatest trick that was ever played that was about racism. It was about it's about money. Think about all the all the money in the world, but specifically in the United States, and who owns it. Mm-hmm. Think about the slave owner back in the day. You think the slave owner? Yeah, there were some slave owners who probably dealt with, but the real the slave owners who had a lot of slaves, they had slave handlers, and they converted some black people to be you know the the houses and stuff like that. But they had white people who were in a pretty much the same socioeconomical s- standpoint with black people looking over those black people and saying, hey, look, they ain't even really, they're not real people. They're not real men. Like, they're black. 
you're white, you're something, they're not. I need you. I'm going to pay you to look over them. And that's where that stuff started. Mm -hmm. So coming back to the police, they're the ones still doing the business of the rich people in the government. Mm -hmm. I I agree. And it disappoints me when people try and say it's not just black lives that matter, all lives matter, because you, you're taking away from what the movement is. Yes, all lives matter. But at the same time, it's not all lives that's being put on display for the world to see. It's black lives. Oh, right. You know what I'm saying? When you think right. about the trading block, the slave block, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? It was black people up there on on the block for other white people to come and look and evaluate whether this was a property, a piece of property that they wanted to take on, an asset that they wanted to take on. And and they were separating families. Mm -hmm. The, 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 The father go that way, the mother and the child go that way. What we actually were going to talk about before you decided to go with this very important subject, which is about being a single parent. Mm-hmm. See, you 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 know I got the skill to make everything tie together. <laughs> yes, um, that that's the thing. Our families are separated. We have now. been put into positions where a single parent is always prevalent in the black home. Yeah. Because because they systematically learned how to separate the head from the body. Man, tradition has been the head of, in all cultures, but they systematically removed our head. And that started, that they, they didn't even have to do it physically anymore. It was so, it was so ingrained in our people that that's 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 why you see a bunch of single mothers now that's why you can see uh fathers not caring about that mother not caring about those kids or half-ass doing it and you know i'm not trying to take it to that particular area because we switched it but i just want to talk about i I wanted to pay homage to what you were originally wanting to do about how it is it's hard to be a single parent and you know it's hard enough to be parents with two people in the house in the kids so you know damn well it's hard because you need both people to do it. But society has systematically it's been ingrained in us to do that. But don't don't get it twisted though. I want you to always remember something. When you look at these numbers statistically, you will see that there's more white people on welfare. Mm-hmm. You will see. You will see that there's if you pull some numbers, you'll see that there's more white people being killed by the police. But what you don't see stuff being prompted as such. When you think about welfare, you think about black people. When you think about people people getting killed by the police, you think about black people. Because I'm gonna tell you this, Coco, the greatest trick that they ever played was that it was about race, and it's not. White people have been collateral damage for the wealthy the whole damn time. They've been collateral damage. They can oh, we don't care about those white people. But they so they can get caught up and then they can suck us in and be like, well, no, 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 no. It's not just y'all. White people go through that too. Yeah, because y'all collateral damage. That's why everybody needs to come together and go against the real problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't get me started. You got the right one today. 
<laughs> but, um, you know, even speaking about, you know, how I mentioned you can't even sit in your own house, you know, two people were killed in their own house by a police officer. You know, you got the girl, Breonna Taylor, and then the one guy in Texas, I can't remember his name right now, but the police officer mistakenly went into his apartment thinking it was her apartment and killed yeah. him in his house, you know? Yeah. And I think she she got a light sentence, I think, for the crime. And so I know these police officers in the George Floyd case have been um, arrested, but I hope they don't get a light sentence because you murdered someone, point blank, period. Yeah, yeah. Um, So being a legal professional, I have to look at things objectively. And in those two particular situations, the guy in Texas, I mean, she walks into this apartment thinking it's her. That might, what did, was it like manslaughter that they gave her or something or? Yeah, yeah. But, and, and I'm going to tell you like this, when it, when it comes to, when it comes to trying to charge people, murder is first degree and you have to prove that the person literally planned to kill another person. So like planned it out, thought it out. Second degree murder. Second degree turns into it wasn't planned, but there was an intent. You know what I mean? Like well, I second degree murder. Second degree murder. Then. Yeah, 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 yeah. Second, but the but legally they probably will get. I mean, they probably he'll probably get a third degree murder, which is not murder. It's actually manslaughter, right? Mm-hmm. Killed him. He didn't have any intent in the beginning of the day. I don't know, but unless they find something. And in that particular case in Texas, it's unfortunate. You're damn right. And it shouldn't have happened. But her intent when she walked in there was, if it was to walk in her own place and she thought it was, somebody was in her house and she shot him, which is stupid. But it's not the same thing unless it was meant to be. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, um it, it when you start breaking down these laws it's that's why i'm here you know what i mean like people start talking oh they should get this done they should get that done, done. i'm like i get it but it, it, it all deals with the mind frame of a person mm-hmm. and how they are committing a crime and i i think they deserve everything that they can get because they had no reverence for that particular person in that moment there was no love in there. None. Yeah. None. For a petty crime. Mm-hmm. They wanted to make an example. And they need to be made examples of. And exactly. them not and them not arresting them or detaining them or doing something about it immediately because of how egregious that video was. That's why you have the riots. Because every single time this type of stuff happens and there's a misjustice, what happens? Riots. Mm-hmm. It turns from protest to riot. But I'm going to tell you why it started becoming riots. Because if you go look at something that, you know, one of my friends found, you know, because sometimes it takes other people to, to build a message. If you're doing your homework, 
all those people defacing property and breaking stuff and and lighting stuff on fire and, and antagonizing and instigating these situations you know who they are white people and they were they were getting confronted so at the same time we still trying to peacefully protest they still got people in there maybe paid actors or not still trying to make us look bad mm-hmm. so i did hear in one of the I think it, I was listening to um, The Breakfast Club and they were interviewing one of the act- activists and his name is My Son, I think. And he was saying, well, he, the, DJ Envy asked the question on whether he could confirm or, you know, deny, but basically asking, was it police that were starting the riots or whatever? and pinning it on the protesters. Um, he said he couldn't confirm that that's what it was, but I mean, it, it definitely would make sense if that is the case, yeah, especially with it happening in black communities, because my thing is, and this, this is the one thing that probably infuriates me about when these things happen and people start to riot is that, you know, you, you start these riots in your own neighborhoods versus going to their neighborhoods and doing that shit. Mm. Well, if that started to happen, that would actually trigger a whole other set of dominoes that will give certain people, they feel the right to start laying down their own set of laws and say you're not gonna come in here and do this stuff and then you take off because those people will start defending their property because as soon as you start talking about property and all that that's when the guns come out and they ready to really get it like we've been training on animals for years and we think y'all are animals anyway we're gonna kill you we're gonna have the right to do it because you own my property mm-hmm. you see what i'm talking about yeah 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 but yes there are instigators and antagonizers who aren't necessarily about the movement they just want to start shit but it just makes me wonder like when are when are people gonna start to take this seriously like i remember asking my friend who's a cop you know like how do they train y'all to handle these situations and he pretty much said, like, they don't get any training. But if no, you're a no, bad person or don't understand compassion, putting on that uniform does not, you know, change the person that you are. Yeah, if you were bullied in high school and you were bullied your whole life and you become a cop, whoop, there are still people that hold grudges to this day from mm-hmm. when they were like, 12 years old like 20 to 25 years had passed and they still feel the same type of way about the same type of people mm-hmm. so you got those people in unit in uniform trying to uphold the law and they have this lack of compassion for people because at the end of the day they were bullied now i'm not saying that that's for everyone but 
I can tell you this. People are looking for the wrong type of power and that's external power. Mm-hmm. They, they want external power and they, they have to, I'm not going to say hide, but anytime you see guns, badges, boots, gear, that's to, inc- that's to incite fear. Then that's for them people to be protected. Like I have this and that means I run shit. Right. Mm-hmm. But the goal, the goal should be to get authentic power. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not going to get all the way into that. You, you know, I mean, I, I, I can get all the way into that, but um, that's why, I mean, that's why I don't like guns. I mean, I know how to shoot a gun. We have to be trained to shoot a gun in the military, but I don't like people carrying around guns because it gives them a false sense of security and power. And then they don't even think to use their, their, their most dangerous weapon, which is their mind. They default to, Oh, I got the gun. I got the power. How many movies, how many situations have you seen, like, maybe some small person or some person that, that you, you know will get their ass knocked out, and then they pull out a gun, and they're like, give me what I want, mm. or back up off me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's a false sense of security, mm-hmm. and it's bullshit. Yeah. It, it's bullshit. Yeah, it, it definitely is. Um, I personally, I I don't like guns either, and I be dreading the days I do have to go shoot. <laughs> I just they when I first came in the military, it was like, yeah, I'm about to be shooting guns, you know, whatever. But this was coming from a person who had never even held a gun in my hand. You know what right. I'm saying? And then to actually have to hold one. And I'm already accident prone, make me even more nervous. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I hate, I hate with a passion going to shoot, but I know I have to do it. It's a term of employment. <laughs> you, you, you know what? I understand you. you. They don't make those, they don't make that environment like you go in there, they run through all this stuff really quick. You got to go there with a bunch of other people. If you do it wrong, they're yelling at you. There's a bunch of guns going off. Da, da, da. Like, you don't even get to enjoy learning how to shoot if you've never shot. And mm-hmm. so they make it stressful. And if you don't qualify, then it's a problem with that. Like, everything we do in the military, like, if you don't do it right, it's going to be a problem. If you don't I, pass almost, it, I almost didn't get to Korea because I couldn't qualify. Like I went, I had to go three times to qualify. So the first time, of course, I did not qualify. I qualified on the nine, but not the 16. I mean, the M4, which is normally what I qualify on. And the M9 be like, a little questionable. Mm -hmm. But I qualified on the nine and didn't qualify on the M4. So I go back to, you know, qualify. The intention was I was going to have a one-on-one session but they threw me back into the same scenario in that room with everybody else. And it's just like, apparently this is not working, you know? And so then this was also at the time that stuff was going down in Korea. So they was like amping up on getting all these people in, you know, and for training or whatever. So they barely had time. And so my commander was like, she ain't going to go if she don't qualify. I'm not going to send her over there if she can't shoot. You know what I'm saying? So they had to like 
get a bargain going like, hey, I bring y'all some big, y'all get my girl a training, you know, whatever. And so they got me in on the one-on-one and the guy's like, you can shoot. You just shot a perfect shot. I'm like, I'd be nervous. I'd be nervous. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's nerve-wracking in there. It mm-hmm. is nerve-wracking in there. But you see, they don't care. It mm-hmm. was just a box check. It was just yeah. a box check. And they finally, they had to, you know, negotiate and reconcile the deal for you to go in there and get one-on-one training to see that you can actually shoot. You know what I mean? Like, I've never dequalled. I've always... I've not got expert. I'd be so close. I'd be so close. But yeah, um, those guns, man, like I, I, I'm glad you said that because it just shows you that people don't really care. Like they want you, you, you get in there, you run through the training and you get, you get out. And that's what's going on. People, the, the society really doesn't as a whole does not care mm-hmm. about Anything. You have certain people who care about it, right? Like, let me ask you this. And I'm not putting you on blast for real, for real. I'm asking you a question. What is your biggest passion right now? My biggest passion? Out, just in general? Just in general. Something that you want that you, you are actively trying to do to make the world better. This podcast. Okay. What does this podcast do for people? So this podcast, like I say, is about life with an emphasis on relationships. And pretty much those relationships don't necessarily encompass just romantic relationships. It could be relationships with your family, relationships with your friends, your coworkers. You know what I'm saying? But it's all about giving insight into what people go through day to day and just hoping that whatever my message is in each episode is reaching somebody you know like my goal is to be a i mean i'm going to school for child and family development i eventually want to be a principal which would in turn and i want to be a high school principal i don't really care for little kids but uh I don't got the patience for them, but high school kids, <laughs> because I, I feel like I want to make a difference. You know, all in all, I like people. I like interacting with people. I like to be um, somebody people feel comfortable talking to, not even necessarily asking for advice, but just comfortable talking to me. You know what I'm saying? And um, I think that's all people need sometimes is just someone to listen to them. And if I could be that ear or give you that piece of advice that can help you make a better decision or, you know, see the error in your ways or whatever, the, you know, whatever it is you get from what I'm saying is what my ultimate goal is. And hopefully what I'm saying, you know, helps you. So, and that's beautiful. You know, you, you want to do something. You want to make a difference. Now, how do you feel when people don't care about it? Or you, you talk to people about your passion and they're like, oh, okay, that's good. Da, 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 da. And, and, and people don't take it serious. Like, how does that make you feel? It does. 
it does. I will say it does make you feel a way, especially because I'm the type of person that I do try and support other people. And whatever it is that they're doing, you know, I try and support them. So because I know I'm that type of person, it does make me feel a way if I don't feel like I get the same support. But especially when it comes to this podcast, but at the same time, I also understand this ain't no overnight success. You know right. what I'm saying? It's, it's not going to be an overnight success. It's, it's going to take time. And so because I'm in it for the long run, you know, I just have to be patient and understand that everybody is not going, everybody is not going like me. Everybody is not going like what I'm saying, but somebody does. And I only brought that up because you know that I've noticed that people just don't care. They just care about what they want to care about. And when it comes to these bigger issues of like, racism you know um greed the love of money like as long as their benefit from it is greater than their loss they'll be okay with it and i just i'm so upset because you know we see this we see this gap and this separation in our country and we're like when it happens to us from another race, be it white, we're pointing the finger at the white people, right? Mm-hmm. Which we should. But when we're talking about us to each other, it's like, I know that some people have bad situations, but what are we doing to stop projecting this image for them to do that to us? Cause you know it exists. You know, you know how we be, you know, in our own social circles, like how black people be acting. You like, come on now, why you acting like that? Mm-hmm. And it's like because at the end of the day, they don't care. They don't care until it hits them. It's like boom, you know. Because even with George Floyd, like nobody deserves to die. But I asked the question, and I'm not justifying his death, nor his necessarily arrest, but I would ask y'all, I'm like, bro, what, what was you doing? Like, oh man, I was trying to get these, you know what I mean? I had this counterfeit, da da da, or whatever he was doing, but trying to get his money. And I get it. Like, people be out here trying to get, get to it, trying to get to whatever they're doing. But if he was doing something wrong, he put himself in a situation to get arrested. Which in turn he he got killed, and I say, and I'm not blaming him for that. He does not deserve any of that. But I ask the question: I'm like, how did we even get here? And if we get, if they put us in a situation, do we make the better choice and not doing it and going the other way, or do we risk? But then I pose my question again: What if he didn't know that money was counterfeit? And that's true. That's what I'm saying. That's true, but uh, g- generally speaking, mm-hmm. generally speaking. Now, I, I wholeheartedly believe that if you're doing wrong, you know, it should be, you know, you should be reprimanded yeah, or whatever the case may be for right. your wrongdoing. But yes, I'm, no, dying 
for something simple is not it. I'm not even saying arrested. I'm not even saying arrested. Like, if you're doing that and somebody acknowledges it and you know that it was like that, you would hope that person would be like, man, get the hell out of here with that. Don't come back in here with that. Or I'm going to have to take, you know, mm -hmm. like, get the hell on. Come on. Mm -hmm. If he didn't know, we all know. We all know the difference. We all know the difference when somebody knows versus they don't know. They don't. Because if you know, if, if something pops off and you like, hold on, what? No, uh-uh, uh-uh. That's what? I have no idea what the hell's going on. I apologize. Like, come on. Versus, come on, man. You know that we are I've I've been there. Mm -hmm. I've been there and I know the difference. You know what I mean? And so you have those moments where you have a decision to make. And it's like when your when your credit card don't work. <laughs> like if you genuinely come on now, you done been in a situation where you done swipe the debit card and you praying like, please let this thing go through. Please let this thing go through. You, you had that in life before. Right? You had that in life. You had that in life. Uh-uh. I'll find my card if I know ain't no money on me. <laughs> well, I'm saying, I'm, I'm talking about 20 years ago or something like that before it was like, you know what I mean? Like, if you ain't ever been in a situation like that, I've been in a situation where I'm like, please let this card go through. Even if, so let me take, let me, let me do you like this. Even if you know you got the money in there, you still hoping that nothing stupid doesn't happen and your card don't work. Mm. Yeah. I've been so there. I've been in both. So I've been, been like, I got money on that card. <laughs> yeah, run that again. Run that again, right? Yeah. But what I'm saying is, th there's a difference. There's a difference between knowing there might be a possibility that this shit ain't gonna go through versus it don't work. You like, hold up, why is that not working? No, that ain't right. Mm -hmm. You have different reactions. You have different reactions, and I'm only talking about that to say. You know, us as people, period, but especially us as black people, we have to be careful about the situation that we put ourselves in, in general. And if we're going out on a limb to do something that we know is not right by society's view, mm -hmm. we're, taking, we're taking on an extra risk. We're taking on an extra risk. And so we need to just be careful about what we put our bodies through. Mm -hmm. Which is why I think it's so important that parents, especially black parents, teach their kids about protecting their body. And that's why spankings are so important. Because mm -hmm. when they fuck up, when you, fuck, when you mess up, you spank that ass and you say, do you like that? <laughs> you like that? No. Well, you did something wrong and you got your ass whooped in the world. If you do something wrong, they can kill you potentially. Mm -hmm. Protect your body. Protect your body by doing what, doing the right thing. Yeah. Does that make sense? It makes sense to me because I'm all for a whooping. That's what I'm saying. You got to protect. Like, do you like them spankings? Well, stop being like that and you won't get the spankings. But I tell you like this, if you don't understand the principle of what's going on right now, you're going to go out in the world and you're going to get broken. Mm -hmm. Maybe even killed because you act like you don't know what the hell going on. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. protect your body and project and, and and be a good person be a good you know be a good cheer and put we need to we need to do better as a people and then we can project we can really show them why racism is real because y'all are seeing us for something that we are really not mm-hmm. at all but what about for those people who wasn't doing a crime like Trayvon Martin or Sandra Bland. You know what I'm saying? Like they just minding their little business. Yeah. Those are the those are the victims of our society. They are they are the victims of our society and racism. I can tell you, I can tell you that. But look, listen. When it comes to let me ask you this. Have you have you been in a situation where you were scared to be around black people? Like, have you ever drove through a neighborhood? Have you ever drove through a neighborhood? Or you've mm-hmm. been somewhere with your own people and you like, lock the door, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, one time when I was uh, or like, I had yeah, to be I like 17 or 18. I had this little white 96 Grand Prix and me and my friends used to be in that thing tough. And one day we was rolling through this not so nice neighborhood in Chicago uh, on the way to somewhere. It wasn't in that neighborhood, but we was kind of like just passing through. And my tire got flat driving through this neighborhood. And I'm like, I'm like, Huh. And it was near like a group of like a group of dudes sitting on the corner and I'm like, fuck, like they see me. You know what I'm saying? They know my shit broke. So uh, I'm like, put everything in the trunk, y'all. <laughs> put everything in the trunk, y'all. I don't want them bringing to my shit. You know, because I had to, you know, go and go someplace to get the tire. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So I can go back and put my tire on. But I think my dad just ended up taking care of it or whatever, but it wasn't, you know, I was definitely nervous in that situation. Like now I wasn't never nervous to be in them areas, but to know like my car had broke down in this area was like, my shit going to be on flat. Block. <laughs> yeah. About to be on blocks. On bricks. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. And that's unfortunate, right? Mm-hmm. But why do we even get to that point? It's because there's been a systematic oppression of black people to where they feel like they have to steal, rob, kill. sell drugs, kill, eventually kill, especially in Chicago. Like, how 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 is that even possible? You know, and because we don't have the same opportunities. But and then thinking back on another situation where I was actually afraid of the police, it was this was before like a couple, a few months before the Trayvon Mar- Martin situation, and 
it was because it was right before I deployed. I had went on like an East Coast tour. I was like, yeah, I'm about to deploy. Like we got to turn up before I go. It's going to be six months before I'm able to party again. <laughs> like we need to turn up. And so I had basically been all up the East Coast party in New York, Jersey, D.C. And so one night I'm in D.C., me and my homegirl and uh, her siblings, like my homegirl was from Chicago. Her husband was stationed in Virginia at the time. And so we had drove up to D.C. and her sister and her mother had met us in D.C. or whatever. And me and her stayed in a different hotel from them two. But we leave in the club one night. So it's probably about maybe two, three o'clock in the morning. And the police pulls us over. And, you know, of course, he, you know, my homegirl, like, you ain't got to roll the window all the way down, you know, whatever. And I'm like, I get the whole rights and all that shit, but I'm just going to do what the police officer said, you know. He, like, roll the window down. So I roll the window down, and he's like, um, where are you coming from? So I'm like, you know, the club I came from. And he's like, you know why I pulled you over? And I'm like, no. He's like, you ran a stop sign. I ain't seen no stop sign. But I said, oh. He said, um, you, you're not from around here. Because I have Virginia plates on my car. I said, no, I'm, I'm not from around here. So he like, you know, license, registration, whatever. So I always give him my military ID in conjunction with my license because my license is an Illinois license. You know what I'm saying? I got these Virginia ass tags on my car. You know, so I I give him all of that. And he was definitely very rude before I gave him that military ID. Mm -hmm. And you know, he was just like, he didn't even give me a ticket. He was just like, I'm going to give you a warning, you know, whatever. But one part of one of the things he asked me was, had I been drinking? Of course. Like, no, because I had not been drinking that day. So anybody that know me, like when I travel, my stomach is not, is not up to par. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So this night I was not drinking at all because my stomach was messed up. You know, so, um, so he's like, I smell alcohol and I'm like, well, she's been drinking and he's like, you haven't. I said, no, I'm sick. I'm not drinking. Like my stomach is not right right now. So, but like I said, before he saw that ID card, you know what I'm saying? He was very rude. You know, it definitely could have went left. And he was like, you know, well, thank you for your service. You know, get to your hotel right now. Don't make no stops, you know, whatever, whatever. But that whole transaction could have went left. And in the moment, because I, I, I will say, sometimes I can go through life a little naive. So in that moment, I wasn't necessarily afraid. But... You know, when I think back on that situation, of course, because this was like in two, early 2013. So, of course, thinking back on that situation, to include everything that's happened between now and then, it's just like that shit could have went left. And now mm-hmm. when I think about getting pulled over in an urban area, it makes me afraid. Yeah. It, it ain't yeah. even got to be in the urban area. Uh-huh. 
It can be anywhere. It can be anywhere. But it's Isn't it amazing? a nerve-wracking experience. Isn't it amazing how once they see that you're in the service, the whole tone kind of changes? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like, and I talked about it. I was like, being black in the service, walking around in uniform the way people treat you versus about versus walking around not in uniform and how people treat you. Mm-hmm. Difference, difference. It's a Total difference, difference, a whole difference. It's a, the same people who would thank you for your service, try to buy you lunch and all this type of crap, see you in regular clothes and wouldn't even think twice to say anything to you. Mm-hmm. And it's it's unfortunate. Because, you it, know, in San Antonio, you know, it's a... Uh, you know, the Air Force base is there where everybody go to basic training net for the Air Force. And, you know, people in that community, they, they're really thankful to the military. You know, they'll buy you lunch. You know, thank mm-hmm. you for your service. And, you know, when I first came in, I didn't really know how to accept that question because I'm like, I ain't this shit. We'll go to basic training, you know. But now, mm-hmm. you know, when I think about the sacrifice that I could be making. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I realized that I do something else that somebody else might not have a boss to do. You know, and you know, we we have Memorial Day to memorialize the people we have lost, you know, because of being in the military. And you know, it's just like what do we do for the black lives that we lost? You know, it's like we have to keep keep trying to get treated as people. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah. sometimes it we don't even that. seem like the uniform save you because I, I, I forget what situation this was in conjunction with, but it was definitely recent. But an airman got killed in -hmm. conjunction with one of these situations. Yeah, I I don't know if he was wearing a uniform. Hmm? Right. I don't know if he was wearing a uniform when it happened. I don't don't think so. But No, of course not. But, you know, know, it, it could definitely be us. Oh, every situation could be us. Mm-hmm. Every situation, which is why I started. I mean, even though I do it, like you know, wearing Jordans and wearing all this stuff, like I started consciously wearing things just a little bit different to stand out and to not necessarily look like I'm some young dude who's just you never you you know you you don't know what to expect from me. It's almost one of those things like wear something that they know that you're not trying to start no shit. Mm-hmm. And that's sad, but that's a reality. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you walk around in a suit, or you walking out you're with a with a blazer on and some nice shoes. You're like, well, he looks nice, and he's probably not going to pop off. <laughs> it's sad, but it's true. Mm-hmm. And you know, there was an article that came out recently about the treatment of black airmen in the Air Force that they were trying to supposedly cover up um, the statistics and things of that nature. But 
like we have a we have a problem everywhere dealing with racism and there's a bigger problem that people never talk about but we at least got to we have to get we have to get white people to open their eyes about the problem we have to get black people to stop playing into the stereotype like we got a lot of work to do Mhm. we definitely do a, a lot of it mm. i definitely you know feel for the families that have lost their loved ones to this and it definitely made me think about my own brother because my brother ain't the type that walk around in a suit and nice you know nice shoes you know, he is that dude in the street wearing, you know, just looking like he he in the street. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I I do worry for him. You can't help but do it. You, and you can't help but worry worry if is he in Chicago? Mm-hmm. You don't know if, if he were to go, you don't know how he would go. You like, could he be killed by his own people? Could he be killed by the police? Mm-hmm. That's why I posted that picture. Um, of the black man with a police officer with a gun to his head on one side and a, a, another black man with a gun to his head on the other side, right? It was like, you, you can't turn anywhere without potentially getting killed. Mm-hmm. And it's it's sad. And I, because, I think that's a whole nother conversation in itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember growing up, I probably was about no more than I was probably between the ages of ten and twelve. I remember thinking that I was gonna die from a drive by shooting. I remember that. I used to my stomach used to hurt all the time. I used to be on the toilet reading the Bible, like just really scared that I was gonna die from a drive by shooting. Mm-hmm. And you know who's doing those. Yeah. But now I fear that I could die. Who knows? I mean, it's just it's just unfortunate, but I remember that. I remember being afraid that I was going to die by the hands of another Black person. Mm-hmm. I don't... Sometimes I don't even think people understand the, the amount of grace that Black people feel when they live to be a certain age. Like, um, my grandmother, she passed last summer and mm-hmm. she was 99 and a half mm-hmm. and i remember as a kid that's the age that she used to tell me she wanted to be when she when she went because her mother lived to be a hundred like 108 and she had an aunt that lived to be 120 and she said i don't want to live that long i just want to live to be 99 and a half and um that's when she went. She went on her own terms. But when I think about the amount of change that she lived through, my grandma used to pick cotton. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? She used to clean toilets, clean clean white people's houses.
Speak on it. I know it's tough. Look. So many of us, you know, grandkids and stuff. She lived to see a black president in her time. And so when I hear people be like, you know, I didn't think I was going to live to be 21, you know, and stuff like that. It's scary. Yeah. 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 Like, for real. I, I had I had milestone birthdays. Like, oh, shit, I made it to 18. Oh, shit, I made it to 21. Oh, I made it to 25. Oh, shit, I made it to 30. Yeah. But when you, as you talk about your grandmother, and I know how you felt about your grandmother. I do. I do remember that, and I know, and I remember when she passed, and I sent you my condolences as you were trying to figure that out because you were trying to get back from Germany or, excuse me, England mm-hmm. to uh, get back over there. So I remember that. Um, but the beautiful thing is that she lived and she lived through all that. But I be trying to tell, shit, I be trying, I be trying to tell white folk, I be trying to tell white folks, I'm like, why are we still talking about race or slavery and all that? I was like, because our family, our grandmothers, our great-grandmothers and grandfathers and, and, and people that we know directly that touched our lives talk to us about all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it is still part of us. We cannot forget about it. And mm-hmm. I was talking to somebody, I was talking to somebody who was a victim of uh, abuse, abuse from a spouse, right? Mm-hmm. I said, now, you were abused. Did you, do you, are you going to forget that? I'm sure you won't. But right. imagine, imagine all those times that you were abused and you told your mama, your daddy, your sister, your brother, your people, and they were upset for you and wanted you to leave that situation, but you didn't leave that situation. And you went back to that situation and you forgave your spouse or whatever, then y'all in love again and everything was good. But that was a nasty ass taste in everybody else's mouth. Right. Like, what? And they didn't like that person anymore. Mm-hmm. So for us to hear all those stories from our ancestors and our descendants and, di- and hearing about it, seeing it, and then being told by the people that we love that it actually happened. Mm-hmm. And they said, wouldn't we have a nasty ass take people in our mouth? Yeah. It's the same concept. Mm-hmm. So your grandmother helped you understand things about life. <sighs> and they're the reason that we feel that we feel. Yeah. Exactly. Like... Yeah, the like we've directly touched someone that's lived through Jim Crow. You know, we've directly loved someone that couldn't couldn't use the same fountain as a white person. You know what I'm saying? And how they were, you know, attacked in the streets with dogs and 
fire hoses being, you know, pushed at them. Nowadays, they got tear gas and, you know, even more ways to hurt us. And it's just like, not only do I feel like us as Blacks need to act accordingly, like I get it. We want to stand up Mm -hmm. for ourselves. Yeah. But in that moment, is my life worth it? Well, if you don't stand up for something, you'll fall for anything. And you got to be willing to die for something. Mm-hmm. I'm not telling you to go die for that. And and that's, that's another thing I struggle with. You know, will I stand up for things? Yes. At this point in my life, how, have I accepted something in my life that I was willing to die for? I've not encountered at this current moment, anything I was willing to die for. Now, could I see myself? It, I know it's a possibility. But could I see myself using myself as a catalyst for the movement? I'm yeah. not there yet. You don't think so? I'm there. But I'm there, I'm using it. I'm using it in a way to educate and unite. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Educate and unite. And me being a father, me being the son of of, of black, you know, gods. Um, me have been married to queen. I've I've encountered many situations where I would have and will die for those situations. Hope that I would never have to be put in those situations, but I have encountered situations or people that I would die for and still will. So, um, but we all got to find you. We, we just got to find those. That That's the passion. Mm-hmm. It's all, it's crazy because I'm just thinking about this right now. Find something that you would die for. That should be one of your podcast uh, topics. What would you die for? That's deep. It's it's definitely something to think about. I mean, because even if you don't have it right, right now, it's something to ponder on. Mm-hmm. Like, what would you die for? What would you die for? Maybe that's the title of this episode. Okay. All right. I like it. Mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> but um, again, you know, those families of every Black life we have lost to police brutality or senseless violence from white people, cops, even our own people, you know, I pray for those families. Um, I pray for my family. You know, any, because we black. Right. You know, all, all we got is God's protection. And I do understand when it's our time, it's our time. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that these people 
don't get to live out their life. You know, they don't get to experience any more milestone birthdays or for those who didn't reach the milestone birthdays. You know, I pray for those people. And I pray for humanity. Yeah. I pray. Um, I mean, if we're going to wrap up, I can say a quick prayer for this Sunday. Okay. To close it out. Close it out. All right. Lord, come to you in prayer today to ask you for guidance. To ask that you give us the strength to push forward and to get past yet another injustice, but know that everything's for a reason. And we pray that you give insight and understanding and overstanding to those who don't understand. And we we ask that you give patience to those who are just tired of it, but the patience to try to help people connect and not divide. Lord, we pray for those families, the families of victims, the, the families of the accusers, the, the families of the guilty, who they were just going down the wrong path and they they are a victim of this society as well. And Lord, I, I pray that you understand that we appreciate everything that you've given us and thank you for giving us the voice and the platform and the, the, the acumen and intelligence to be able to break down your word and what, you, what you've given this world for us to speak and have a voice. And I thank you for my family. I thank you for my friends. We thank you for everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And that is going to wrap it up for this week's episode. I'll be sure to add KJ's social media handles in the show description. You know, if you have any questions that you would like to ask, email me at kikianwithcocopie at gmail.com. And as always, I thank you guys for tuning in. And stay tuned for next week's episode. Bye. Hello.